Nightmerica is an independently produced podcast. If you like what we're doing, please consider supporting us at patreon.com slash nightmerica. And please tell your friends about us. Welcome to Nightmerica, a podcast that takes you on a tour of the abnormal, paranormal, weirdly true, and truly weird in every corner across this nation. Because, to paraphrase Ray Parker Jr., whether it's ghosts, aliens, monsters, or monstrous humans, there's something strange in your neighborhoods. Episode 11, Specters of War. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. As always, I'm one half of your hosting team, Aaron Sagers, from Travel Channel's Paranormal Called on Camera and ParanormalPopCulture.com and a bunch of other paranormal things. And uh, I am joined by my cohort, my colleague, my co-host. That's me. That's where you say your name. <laughs> yeah, sorry. That seemed like a setup for you to say your name, but maybe it wasn't. Maybe it wasn't obvious. I didn't get it. And... Guys, I'll tell you, we're recording in the morning. We normally record in the afternoon, so maybe I'm just a little bit slow. But maybe that'll make this episode a little bit funnier. So, I'm drinking some coffee. It's going to be fine. And you, and you still haven't said your name. Oh, hey guys. I'm Britt. <laughs> Good job. Britt Emmy from retail stores near you. Yep. That's that's presumpt- presumptuous. What if it's not near retail or near them. Well, it's probably not unless you live in New York City. So, or yeah. at one point you huh? lived in Chicago. Yeah. Okay. So, retail stores, maybe in a in a city you in probably the West have Village. heard of. <laughs> Wait, should yes, I not yeah. say that? Uh, I probably shouldn't say what. I think I it's fine. I mean, it's West Village. Yeah. I mean, it's a big it's big, big city. Uh Anyhow, uh, but first, the news after that awkward introduction <laughs> on both our parts. Clearly, we're professionals. Um, hey, we're still ironing out the details. We're introducing new things all, all the time. I think it's good. It's evolving. Uh, but but first, the news. Uh, Britt, what exciting, newsy, weird, paranormal, etc. stories have you discovered in uh, this week. This week, I was riveted to an article in the New York Times by a, a journalist named Molly Fitzpatrick, um, and she wrote an article titled "Quarantining with a Ghost." It's scary. I also just liked that title, um, but 
so many people are now reporting that being at home, they're feeling like their places are haunted because we're there a lot more than normal. And so people are noticing like things that they hadn't before or going to different places. For example, she interviewed Patrick Hines. A lot of you might know that name because he's half of the hosts of True Crime Obsessed podcast. Um, and he escaped the city with his family to go to an Airbnb in Massachusetts. And he said he woke up one morning and saw this like 50 year old man in World War II military uniform sitting at the kitchen table, like just an apparition, not like an actual dude. Um, but there, there was this whole article, it's really great, I recommend reading it, where all these different people write in saying, you know, they're sitting on their bed and they notice their window shutters shaking or they notice different things that they hadn't before. And so maybe maybe we're just noticing ghosts that were always there. Um, yeah, this is, a, this is a topic that I've actually been talking about quite a bit um, in various like interviews and live streams. Uh, in fact, in the New York Times article, I know uh, one of the guys that was interviewed, John Tenney, he's mm-hmm. a buddy of mine. And but yeah, this I mean, it is it's a fascinating topic. Um, uh, I'm actually going to be chatting about it a little bit on uh, Coast to Coast. Uh, well, for me, it's this week. But um, for you, listen whenever you listen to this podcast, yeah. it's probably in the it's in the past. But uh, yeah, the the idea is there's a lot of theories behind it. I mean, on one hand, this is like a major psychic kind of level event. And I don't really use that word a whole lot. But, you know, everybody's going through this emotional state. Um, and, and my dog is also drinking in the background. Hey, so. There's a uh, other dog, actually. What? Um, well, probably because it's quiet. Yeah, it's Indy. I'll tell you, listeners, is... Roxy drinks louder than, like, anything in the entire world. Like, people in California can probably hear Roxy drinking water. She's somewhat endearing because she's a dog, but if she was a human, it would drive me insane. Yeah. But, yeah, this, this notion of, obviously, there's a lot of, it's stressful. A lot of um, people are going through a lot of things right now, but they're also at home, so they're paying more attention. But also, it could be fueling potential activity, and and um, and you know, sadly, there's a lot of sudden unresolved deaths, people dying without give, being given a chance to uh, say goodbyes to their families, their families who are not allowed to visit them, uh, in the hospital. So there's a lot of theories that would explain why so much is, is going on right now. And in fact, uh, I know some people are big fans of ghost adventures and some people less so, but Zach Bagans of ghost adventures, uh, I talked to him about the quarantine as well, because he's got a whole quarantine segment on ghost adventures where, he says that they're experiencing more activity than typical, and that seems to be in line with some other things I've been hearing. So, yeah, it, that was a good article. Yeah. What about you? What'd you read or listen to or whatever? I did read that one. That was a that was a great article. I, I forgot about it. Otherwise, I probably would have selected that. <laughs> no, I, I went with uh, this story about, well, it's been reported all over the place, but NASA might have found a parallel universe where time travels backwards. Um, So the idea is 
that uh, there was this uh, th this uh, series of um, an antenna, uh, the Antarctic Impulsive Transient Antenna, which is a cool name. It's an antenna receiver that is strung from a balloon. It hovers over the southern continent. And it discovered or recorded a quote-unquote wind of high-energy particles that appeared to be traveling upwards from within the Earth rather than the expected downward stream what? from outer space. And it was uh, called an impossible event that have led some, some scientists to... Uh, propose a theory that a parallel universe may exist where time flows in reverse. Of course, it is only a theory. Um, and this is rare. It's unusual. Um, but uh, it, it doesn't actually suggest that there's or it doesn't it doesn't automatically say that there's a parallel universe, but it's led, you know, some of these scientists to hypothesize that and it also shows sort of the limitations of what's called the standard model of, of physics that kind of classifies all of the particles in the universe like basically we think we know how everything works but we don't really and that includes time well yeah we definitely um, don't so. know how everything works but are they saying this is like a benjamin button situation where like you're born a hundred years old and you age in reverse or there is a brit emmy in this parallel universe that's just like living backwards. I think really what it means is that our concept of time is limited and that uh, so the the quote is um, neutrinos make up a category of fundamental particles called leptons <laughs> that also includes electrons and muons neutrinos described as ghostly particles Owe to the, owing to the fact that they barely ever interact with matter, come in three flavors, neutrinos, muon neutrinos, and tau neutrinos. Um, and the event that has taken place at the Arctic have led scientists to suggest that there is a fourth kind of sterile neutrino, neutrino which is capable of entering the Earth from a different angle and then exiting the Antarctic without having interacted with anything at all. Um, and that this kind of suggests that this standard model of physics is incomplete. Um, so I don't know if that really answers your question other than to say, like, <laughs> it doesn't, I'm so that lost. is to say that the way that we perceive like particles interact with matter is, is perhaps different than what are, what we've theorized. And now Roxy is drinking and, and it's a, a loud lapping sound um yeah it's interesting i mean i think first off it just points to the fact that 2020 is weird yep. uh and also it reinforces the idea that as much as we may know and as much as science has explained there's a lot that we don't know and there's a lot that science has yet to explain oh i fully believe that so, we know nothing you know what i mean so it was, uh, yeah, so I would, I would just want to quote um, New Scientist on this. And then there's a couple other websites, space.com um, and uh, a few others. But so that's the news. Now, before we get into the stories from the day, we are happy to welcome our sponsor for the day. And, um, well, you know, this is... Uh, 
This comes to us from Madam Morbid. Madam Morbid asks the question, is Brooklyn one of the most haunted places in America? It's a worthwhile question. And Nightmerica is being sponsored by Brooklyn's one and only mobile ghost tour, Madam Morbid's Trolley Tours. Just so happens to be our official haunted tour. It's very fancy we have an official haunted <laughs> tour. That's pretty cool, right? It's so cool. I'm, I'm excited about that. Uh, so Madame Morbid's Victorian-era funeral-inspired trolley. I've been on it. It's very cool. It's the best way to cruise around Brooklyn and learn all about its haunted history. Uh, and it's nice because, you know, you do get to explore multiple locations while driving around in this sweet ride. And, uh, and you cover a lot of ground that way, which is pretty fun. While they are currently off the road, they are social distancing and they are chasing ghosts in their own way. They do have gift cards available for when they reopen. So we here at Nightmerica ask that you check out madamorbid.com. Give them a follow at madamorbidnyc to support our local ghost tour and uh, support a ghost tour for when you come through New York. And their question is, by the way, the answer is yes. Brooklyn is haunted. So, shall we dive into some stories bro. let's dive in also i will say i am desperate to go on one of these madam morbid tours since i've moved to new york so i'm super excited that they're sponsoring us um it is exciting but yeah let's jump in uh so our episode idea today because monday uh was memorial day we are doing military as you heard specters of what was it war specters of war of war. I'm sorry, I didn't listen. Yeah. Um, so my story is on a gorgeous part of San Francisco called the Presidio. To kick things off, I got most of my information from thepresidio.gov, and then two articles uh, from SF Ghost Hunt, one by Molly McWilliams, and then an episode of Ghost Hunters. Season three, episode 14, and I will link in our Patreon uh, that episode so you can watch it online. I got a ton of great information from those guys. Uh, today, the Presidio is located, well, it was like 100 years ago too, but it was located on the northern tip of downtown San Francisco, right before you cross into Marin County and Sausalito via the Golden Gate Bridge. It was originally home to the indigenous Ohalone and Costanoan people. I am horribly sorry if I have mispronounced those. Uh, indigenous people have suffered a lot, but I hope I pronounced those correctly. Um, archaeologists estimate that they called that area home starting like 740 AD. Um, but over a thousand years later, in typical fashion, white people took it over um, and it became Spain's northernmost military outpost while they occupied Mexico in 1776. Um, and then very typical to San Francisco, they had an earthquake in 1812. And that is when they kind of took the opportunity of these leveled buildings to build what is standing in this property today. So there's the Presidio's Officers Club, which is what I'll go into a little bit later, but that's kind of the main part 
of the Presidio property now when you go as a tourist. It's like a museum and a cultural center. Uh, I went to the Presidio maybe like three or no way, like five or six years ago. Uh, it's stunning. When quarantine lifts, I highly recommend everyone going. Um, it's just got this really, because it was rebuilt by Span the Spanish in 1812, it has like this beautiful Spanish style architecture um, and ghosts. First, though, the ghosts kind of come from this military background uh, because in 1821, Mexico gained their independence from Spain and they took ownership of the land from the Spanish. But then in 1847, the Mexican-American War started and the U.S. Army took this property over and the army held it for like 150 years as kind of like the center of our coast defense system. It had, like, the, of course, the main post. It had two forts, two hospitals, both civilian and military system, and an air coast defense system, and a Coast Guard outpost, all in, like, 1,500 acres. So you can imagine the amount of buildings and the amount of people kind of walking all over it. Um, it saw a ton of action during wartime. It was part of the Indian War in the West, like I said, the Spanish-American War, and then even the Vietnam War. Um, and in 1994, that's when it was transferred from the property of the U.S. Army into the National Park Service. Um, and now it's a place where you can live, you can work. The reason I went is because I had a friend who had an office there. So there's like companies that have businesses there. Um, and it, like I said, it's stunning. So you can just go and wander. Uh, one of the most busy locations of the Presidio, though, for this ghostly activity um, is the Letterman Hospital. And this was the military hospital on the campus. And interestingly enough, Dear Aaron probably knows this. It's now the home of the Lucasfilms headquarters. I do know this. Sadly, I've uh, one of the nerdy bucket list items that I've yet to take off is uh, checking out the uh, the Lucasfilm HQ there. But yes, I do know that. Yeah. Along with the ghosts. Yep. When they. Well, I don't know the ghosts, but I know the ghosts. You don't know them personally by first and last name? No. Oddly enough, there are some ghosts that <laughs> you could. I mean, that listen, about, you've but... had some ghosts try to get in your bed, so you know you get quite familiar true. with them. <laughs> this is true, but continue. Sorry. <laughs> anyway, I digress. Um, so while they were building the Lucasfilms headquarters in 2002, the construction teams saw all these shadowy figures of military people. They said there could be up to like 200 deceased veterans kind of roaming this land. Um, personally, I feel like that's got to be true because, I mean, of course they died. They are under extreme circumstances, but also if it was during construction, we've talked about this on the podcast before, ghostly activity tends to increase when there's changes in their property. So you can imagine these ghosts are probably wandering around like, yo, where's my room? Where's all the stuff that I used to know? And now it's turned into Lucasfilms. Um, even before it was that property, it was like a, just like an empty building where teens, of course, would go in, break in, spray paint, do whatever like wild teens do in abandoned buildings. Not that I ever did. I was a total nerd. Um, 
but the teens claimed that they would hear shuffling footsteps through the property, lights going off in rooms where there would be like no machines or anything. And so they would call the police to kind of report what's happening, but the police did not want to go in a lot of the time. So I can, I can imagine they had to be pretty scared. So at the beginning I referenced um, the Ghost Hunters team. The group TAPS, the Atlantic Paranormal Society, went in and met with a man by the name of Dr. Thomas Scott, who now manages the um, Officers Club, where, like I said, it's like a cultural center. Um, And they have a ton of activity, but this was a really good episode because they, of course, do what they do. They stay in overnight, and they were able to kind of quantify certain things, but then debunk other things. Um, so I highly recommend watching it, but also kind of talk us through it as I go through the different haunted rooms. The first one was the smoking lounge. Uh, of course, back in the day, the officers would go and smoke with each other after a long day. But now the employees hear voices. They will get whiffs of smoke. Um, and what I find really interesting is people report hearing gentle metal tapping, um, which could be like in the military, depending on your ranks, you are given rings and it could be the men tapping on the arms of the chairs with their military rings. During construction, this all really flared, especially like the smells of smoke and hearing voices. And it wasn't like construction related noises or construction related smoke. It would be truly cigarette smoke. So Grant Wilson and Jason Hawes of Taps went in this is the room they stayed in overnight and what i found really interesting is they kind of fiddled with the wooden paneling that was in there Um, and they said the wooden paneling itself just smelled like smoke which you can imagine if guys are there smoking all day of course the wood would start to kind of ingest the scent of the smoke and jason pointed out like if it was a humid day during construction the wood would expand and release the smell of smoke so They kind of debunked that, which I found was like a really interesting uh, aspect. In the banquet hall, they would host uh, parties, dances, and in front of the fireplace there, they have seen a woman in long Spanish flamenco dress kind of walking around. And the event manager there, her name's Megan LaFriends. She was working one night and she heard footsteps and like cleaning up after an event. But when she went back outside from the kitchen, there was nobody there. It was completely empty. She was in the property alone. Um, What I found really interesting is Ghost Hunters wasn't able to debunk this. And in fact, they had two separate videos of this room from different angles where they saw shadowy figures kind of walking Cross, which was super eerie and those guys are professionals they know to like lock down things so other people aren't walking through um so i thought that was interesting uh in the kitchen they the staff there often hears pots and pans moving the smell of food cooking even when it's not kind of in use uh on the show there the guy named dave tango was there um he didn't hear anything except the ice maker but I mean, for me, just because it doesn't happen one night doesn't mean it doesn't ever happen. I think the smell of food cooking when no one's in there is, it's suspicious to me. Um, So I thought that was interesting. And then 
finally is the viewing room and this is where anyone kind of killed in action any of the officers would have their uh services and janitors here uh weeping and smell flowers while they're kind of cleaning up in there and that really kind of hit me in a soft spot because i also think with ghosts it's all energy so the emotions and the energies you feel during like a wake or a funeral service are so intense that it would make sense to me that it would kind of linger in this room. Uh, so I think that, you know, there's got to be kind of ghostly activity in this area. Um, of course, being a military base for so long, having the property taken over from indigenous people, it's got so much history, so much energy. Um, that I think it's just, for me, it's got to exist. So when quarantine lifts, I highly recommend everyone kind of go and explore the Presidio area, not only for the ghost, but also it's just gorgeous. And that's my story. Or maybe they're listening, maybe they're listening to this after quarantine. After quarantine, true. Hopefully there's... Very true. Yeah, for all you that are revisiting or rediscovering us for the first time post-quarantine. That, uh, the What I will say is like, I know the Presidio um, stories pretty well, and I—I um, I mean, the—it's interesting. You're bringing up Ghost Hunters. This was early on in the mm-hmm. Ghost Hunters show. Um, Ghost Hunters was—it uh, is since—it was since revived uh, for by the A and E Network, um, but this was when it was on the Sci Fi Channel, and. You know, early on, Ghost Hunter certainly was notable for uh, reinvigorating and and really trailblazing sort of the paranormal, um, unscripted reality TV show, the investigative show. It was Ghost Hunters, and then shortly after that, Paranormal State, and then shortly after that, Ghost Adventures, which Ghost Adventures is now like the longest running paranormal show out there. The... Yeah, this was like so a lot of their mission, I don't did you watch the episode? I did. Yeah. So a lot of their their mission is to debunk mm-hmm. and I feel like that was good but also somewhat flawed at the time because I mean everything is theory based uh and they were proceeding with, you know, theories that they had, but it feels like looking back on a lot of those investigations I, I even think I, I know all those guys. I've worked with all those guys. Uh, Grant's a good buddy of mine. I, I know Tango. Um, I think that they probably would even approach some of those investigations differently. Mm. Uh, it's a good point, though. Like, you know, yeah, just because something the paranormal is doesn't follow rules. It doesn't happen on a schedule. So just because something doesn't happen mm-hmm. on one night doesn't mean that it doesn't happen. I, I think the smell of food could also probably be explained if it if it was an active kitchen, um, you know, because there's the smells that are still lingering and whatnot. Well, you true. Know. I dated but a guy it, that used a lot of Chinese five spice in his cooking, and his apartment always kind of stunk like that, even if he wasn't cooking. So Yeah. Yeah. Exhibit <laughs> A right now is the fact that my microwave smells like enchiladas, because I made enchiladas a couple days ago, which reminds enchiladas. me of my microwave. Did you fold in enchiladas. the cheese? <laughs> It's a nice Shit's <laughs> Creek reference. I got that one. Um, the, uh, but yeah, I. The other thing with like activity during construction is, it's you know again it's theory, but it's not just that. 
all the activity is kicking up or all the construction is kicking up activity like hey what happened to my room it could also be that it's sort of uncovering or revealing things that weren't noticed before that maybe if it was residual or if something is there and it's just going about its own schedule removing that wall isn't disrupting the ghost it's just uncovering some sort of behavior that you didn't notice before Mm. um so that's like one of the theories of the residual activity but um but it could also just be that if if it's an intelligent haunt that they're like hey what the hell is going on with my place um i picture this like uh, crabby old veteran ghost like a decorated military hero being like What's going on with my place? This like crotchety old man with. A I mean, <laughs> that's. I mean, that is like that's pretty standard for a lot of activity of, um, you know, what uh, you know, sort of like how, you know, this is my house. Mm-hmm. Get out of it. You know, like that kind of Get thing is pretty standard for for yeah yeah. I mean like. Um, people not liking when someone new comes in and, and does something different. Yeah, that, I mean, it's interesting. But yeah, um, yeah, that's a that's a fun flashback going back to early days, Ghost mm-hmm. Hunters, how much things have changed since then. Um, but I would be curious to find out about current activity there too, like if people are still experiencing things, what's going on now. Oh, they are. There's one article where uh, the Muni is the bus system there. And there was a bus driver who had like a soldier get on not all that long ago. So it's definitely still active. Like a soldier. I mean, not like a real soldier, like a, like a ghost so soldier. A ghost soldier using public transit. Interesting. I yeah. wonder if he paid the fare. You, Californians are like super eco conscious. You know what I Even mean? Even the ghosts, apparently. So. Um, Even the ghosts. Cool. Uh, that's an interesting one. Well, uh, before we get into uh, my story, let's go ahead and. Take another word from a different sponsor. We got two sponsors. This is exciting. Whoop whoop. Think things are bad now? It could be worse. Don't believe me? Just read Dead Run, the new sci-fi thriller from author Mike Maddox. A mysterious force is taking control of people's bodies and making them run to stay alive. If you can't keep running, you blow up like spaghetti left in the microwave too long. Those are, those are, that's the ad copies words, not mine, but I like that. Spaghetti too long. I love that. The story follows a group of weary survivors as they make their way through a hellish landscape where there's only one rule, run or die. This, uh, this is exactly uh, why I'm trying to jog every day uh, and, and also reduce. You would survive. I I would instantly. I appreciate that you are way overestimating my running skills, but look, I am. You run like eight miles a day. That's not eight miles a day. It's like I run eight miles or ten miles, and then I'm like, well, that was good. I don't have to run for several days, Uh, which is not the way to train. And I am training for a marathon, Um, but anyhow. yeah, so Dead Run, check it out. It is available exclusively on Amazon Kindle. It's only like three bucks. So getting a oh my god, just yeah, buy a sci-fi it. thriller for three bucks on Amazon—that's pretty great. Um, and uh, and I read it. I do enjoy it. It's kind of got these weird, interesting parallels to the um, the odd 
quarantine pandemic COVID-19 times that we are currently living through or have uh, lived through, depending on when you listen to this. So Dead Run, Amazon Kindle, three bucks. Read it. Run. brought to you by Manscaped. And to talk about the men's grooming kits, we have one of its fiercest fans, Mr. Lawrence Talbot, an actual werewolf from London. Right, love. Cheers for having me on, although I prefer lycanthrope. The whole WW word is a bit unseemly. Although I should also note I have been an American citizen for a while now. Ah, so that would explain that almost indistinguishable British accent. Anyhow, Larry, I'm surprised you're in wolf form, even though there's not a full moon elf. That's right. Well, I used to view my condition as a bit of a curse, what with all the hair everywhere. But with the Manscaped Lawnmower 3.0 and its durable skin-safe ceramic blade, which has small teeth, unlike myself, I can be quite the dapper wolf with my crown jewels, if you will, remaining secure. Now I actually prefer to stay in wolf form permanently. Pardon me for saying so, but you have a lot of hair. It must take you forever to groom. Most certainly. It takes quite a bit of time. Thankfully, the lawnmower 3.0 holds a 90-minute charge, so I have all the time in the world. And with the built-in LED light, I can even see on a moonless night as I... As I trim my... my dolly bits, my undercarriage, my John Thomas. Right, right, we get it. Wolfman's got nards. And with Manscaped Lawnmower 3.0's waterproof technology, you can even clean up in the moors on a rainy English or American night. It's perfectly splendid, isn't it? And speaking of moors, I still do enjoy taking a bite out of the occasional backpacker. But with the Crop Preserver Bowl deodorant and Crop Reviver Ball Spray toner, any passers-by that comes close will only smell the aroma of the freshest dangly bits. But don't take our word for it, or even that of a gentleman lycanthrope. Because with the code NIGHTMERICA, you can get 20% off a Manscaped order and receive free shipping. Head to manscaped.com and enter code NIGHTMERICA, and you can check out their anti-chafing boxer briefs, weed whacker nose hair trimmer, and crop cleanser hair and body wash, all from... Wolf Manscaped. No, only from Manscaped. Manscaped, the right tools for the job. So, uh, my story is, um, you know, I uh, I like this topic because the idea of, when you talk about, like, the most famously haunted types of places. You're talking about hospitals slash asylums, prisons, and battlefields slash forts. Um, and and battlefields, you know, we are going to be doing, we're going to be talking a little bit about Gettysburg for our Patreon episode. Um, and that's like a, that's a whole separate story, but uh that's a famously haunted location or allegedly but battlefields are so notoriously haunted because it's a place of like pain and sudden pain and um you know uh a lot of times people died and were not given proper burials at the time 
um, just a lot of trauma and a lot of violence. Um, so the story I'm going to talk about is Fort Mifflin uh, outside of Philadelphia, or technically part of Philadelphia, but it's somewhat removed from the city. As a fort, it was commissioned in 1771. I've been to Fort Mifflin many times. It's a it's a great location for a paranormal investigation, and you can rent it overnight. Um, so it was commissioned in 1771 by the British. So what happens is the Revolutionary War happens, and the Americans are holding up in this fort. It was formerly Mud Island Fort. It sat on Mud Island appropriately named because it is very swampy uh some of the worst mosquitoes i've ever encountered uh are in that place and i and that's saying something having grown up in florida with florida nasty mosquitoes um so the general william howe british general william howe he had to get gunpowder clothing food munitions to his troops at this time the brits were holding on to captured philadelphia and it was essential to their plan to defeat Washington and kind of choke him off so he doesn't get uh, uh, access to sort of winter, a winter HQ. So the Americans, though, were holed up in this fort and uh, right across the the river from them, the, the Delaware River, is Fort Mercer in New Jersey. So it was 400 men garrisoned there at this time in November 1777. They were holding off the British fleet in the water so Washington could move his army into winter quarters uh, down at Valley Forge. So these guys, these conditions were terrible for the, the soldiers, this army in Fort Mifflin. They were cold. They were starving. It gets very, very cold there. It gets very, very hot and very, very cold there depending on the the weather uh probably one of the second most second coldest paranormal investigations i've been on was at fort mifflin what um, was the first uh that would have been um rolling hills uh sanitarium outside of buffalo new york mm. it was brutal um but these guys despite the cold despite being starving and ill held off the brits for six weeks and then on November 15th, 1777, so like exactly 200 years before my birth, um, the British had two ships on the west side, three ships directly offshore, and three ships to the east. So surrounded on three sides, Fort Mifflin was bombarded. They were bombarded by all these ships, more than 200 cannons firing upon them. And by comparison, the fort could only defend themselves with 10, 10 cannons. So, and, and then the British soldiers were even throwing hand grenades. I were close enough. They were throwing hand grenades at the fort. Uh, d- like during one hour alone, it's estimated something like a thousand cannonballs were fired at the fort. Uh, this just devastated the fort. It was defeated, but not surrendered. 40 soldiers stuck around. Uh, the rest were able to get out of there. Uh, 40 soldiers held onto the fort until the very last minute and then set it ablaze. But they left the flag flying, and that did, uh, that was pivotal. It did buy Washington enough time to relocate uh, and was a pivotal uh, uh, attack in the Revolutionary War and supposedly also the largest bombardment during the Revolutionary War. Um, 
So just flash, uh, fast forward a little bit. This Mud Island Fort, Fort Mifflin, um, it was repaired. It was returned to service in 1863. Uh, so we're looking at the Civil War now. Um, instead of a coastal defense fort, however, it became a military prison. And the prisoners that were held there were Confederate prisoners of war, Union soldiers, and civilians. And they were held in these casemates, which were sort of bomb-proof shelters. One of the most famous prisoners at Fort Mifflin during this, town, this time was William H. Howe. Uh, interestingly enough, shared the name of the British uh, general from, uh, you know, 90 years prior. So he was a Union private. He was on the Union side. And in December 1862, suffering from, quote, inflammation of the bowels, uh, he left, I know it's, you know, it does not sound pleasant. He left his IBS regiment. sucks. Yeah, it does, especially, you know, in 1860s. He, he left his regiment in Virginia. He went home to Pennsylvania. So what happens is, you know, they come after him. They come to arrest him. A gunfight ensues. One of the officers, Abraham Bertolet, uh, which I believe was his commanding officer, was wounded by a gunshot to the chest. Hal was arrested, charged with desertion, and charged with murder. Mm. Military court found him guilty. He was sentenced to death by hanging. His trial was held at Fort Mifflin in one of these casemates, in casemate 11. And he was executed at Fort Mifflin on August 26, 1864. The only prisoner that we know of that was executed at the fort um, during the Civil War, specifically. He even signed his name in the casemate, casemate 11, uh, uh, his initials W.M.H. Howe. Uh, and then later on, this um, ended up being a um, an ammo depot during World War One and World War Two until it was declared a national landmark. Um, now let's talk about the ghosts there. Uh, the there's a lot of ghost stories there. Interestingly enough, you do mention since you did mention in your story. Um, ghost hunters, ghost hunters investigated Fort Mifflin as well, and they did that in um, season four. So actually, not too long after mm-hmm. the um, the Presidio investigation. the The notable thing about their investigation, okay, so Grant Wilson of Ghost Hunters in Casemate Eleven. I swear this is not the uh, Ghost Hunters podcast, but in Casemate Eleven, it's uh, Grant Wilson claims that he saw a mysterious face of a blonde-haired man. William Howe was known to be quite large, um, and uh, I don't know if they think that that was the ghost of William Howe, but William Howe was considered a quite large dude. Um, so, but in Casemate 11, Grant Wilson saw this mysterious face. Um, they also reported seeing a, a quote-unquote faceless man in Casemate 5. Now, those Casemates... Um, that the the faceless man is a pretty popular ghost of a war uh, uh, is they they associate that with William Howe but um uh, that is supposedly reported on these grounds quite a bit you can see him in um, in uniform but you can't make out the uh, the the uh, details of his face another supposed ghost that is seen there is. Um, this lamp lighter, you know, the guy that would go around and light the, the oil lamps every night. Mm-hmm. Supposedly he's very pale. 
uh, hard to uh, like uh, amorphous in shape, but carrying like sort of a long pole with a uh, dim light on the end of it. Uh, there's also considered uh, so if we have faceless man, we have uh, the lamplighter. There's also the supposed screaming woman. Now this one's interesting because she's not seen, but she's heard and sometimes has been heard so loud that the local police have been called on this on this that claim i find somewhat questionable because unless you're on the fort grounds you're somewhat removed from mm -hmm. uh, most civilization but who knows this is said to be elizabeth pratt uh elizabeth pratt was um a woman that her daughter took up with a um took up with a, a, a man uh, and she was upset about that and um, disowned the daughter and what why because uh, uh, she didn't approve of the guy back uh, then they like wanted you to get married at like 12 years old yeah but only if it was someone appropriate to your to your family I guess um, so. so disowned her. And then the daughter died shortly after from dysentery. Oh. So Elizabeth Pratt was so consumed with guilt that the story is, the legend is, that she took her own life and now she's heard wailing and crying in the officer's quarters. The And also in the blacksmith shop, the, there was a blacksmith named Jacob Sauer uh, who is known to close doors. And also there's the rhythmic sounds of like a hammer clashing against an anvil. And, uh, and also even sometimes a ghost ship is supposedly docked near the fort. Now, a couple things with this. On one hand, I mentioned the ghost hunters earlier because not only because they claim to have an experience there, but this really speaks to the power of the paranormal community. Fort Mifflin, as I mentioned, was a pivotal fort in the Revolutionary War. However, even though it was declared a national landmark, they were going out of business. Um, and then in 2008, when the ghost hunters filmed there, it reinvigorated the business. Like suddenly people wanted to go there and ghost hunt or check out the stories of ghosts. So this is something that I, I, I think at one point they quoted me when I was at Fort Mifflin that their business increased by like 90% because the paranormal community is also big boosters of history. Okay. So it put a spotlight on the fort and was and allowed this important national historical landmark to stay open, which then allowed me to go there many times uh, for lectures and paranormal investigations and even have my own experiences there. And in the casemates, I personally have seen, um, I've heard some odd sounds like whispers I don't know if it's a ghost. There's there's an odd acoustic situation down there, so maybe it was voices traveling, bouncing off the off the walls in there. But I've heard odd voices with my uh, ears, not recorded, that sounded like disembodied voices. Uh, well, I mean, I really instead of like <laughs> instead of like recorded, like disembodied as opposed to an. You EVP. heard it with your ears and not your eyes. Yes, yes. Uh, <laughs> the investigators out there will know what I'm talking about, um, and. I captured a photo that, I, again, I don't know if it was a ghost. However, it was convincing enough that uh, multiple TV networks, um, 
decided to use the photo on their various ghosty programs of it looks like a figure walking across it was taken from the officer's quarters on the second floor pointing down it looks like a figure moving across the ghost uh, across the grounds uh to can me it almost can we post that to the instagram yes yes we can post it to the instagram to me it looks um i'll let you decide what what it looks like i have opinions on it though i don't know what it is uh and I was talking to my buddy named Dr. Specter, a.k.a. Frank Sinelli, and he got a very clear EVP at Fort Mifflin saying, uh, get the F out. Um, I've had Rude. experiences, and he's, he's also had these experiences of the laser grid getting blacked out, which is um, sort of this grid of laser light that is pointed against a wall and you're trying to detect shadow activity with it to see if a shadow interrupts it. Um, and, and, uh, yeah. And like a lot, and to that point, like a lot of interesting shadow activity. So Fort Mifflin is just by my own experience. I've had a lot of odd encounters there. It's environmentally uncomfortable. It's quite hot, terribly hot, lots of terrible mosquitoes. In the winter, it's bitterly cold and wet and a very uncomfortable investigative night. However, if uh, if you're pursuing pursuing ghosts, I would say that it's a pretty great location. A lot of ground to cover, too. Um, so that's Fort Mifflin. Um, and uh, have you heard of that one? No, I never have. Yeah, so that's it's super not, cool. Not, it's not... It's not one of the most famous ones. That's the thing. It's like it just points out like how many great locations are out there that are not famous. Like you know, Winchester Mystery House, or mm-hmm. you know, like there's a lot of cool locations to explore in the paranormal world and and historic uh, you know uh, historic remem- remembrances as well. Mm-hmm. So th- those are our ghostly stories honoring Memorial Day and. Um, yeah, what what do you think? Any are you compelled to go check out? Totally. But that's me, you know, like anytime you can go and explore something ghosty, I'm I'm all about it. I say let's go, let's rent it out for the night. Let's get all our Patreon subscribers invited and have like a, an exclusive party. Deal. Let's make that happen. <laughs> um so, let's uh before we wrap up the day um or the episode, do you want to talk about some of your nerdy paranormal pop culture loves this week? I would, and you are going to be so excited on what my paranormal pop culture is today because guess what? I watched the second Indiana Jones. Ah, right. Temple of Doom. Yep. I watched that this week. And? Well, I didn't love it. (laughs) I'm so sorry. So the segment is typically meant to celebrate, but go on. (laughs) Okay. I will say it's better than the first one. Like we watched whatever the first one is together. It's better than that. I just didn't care for like how stuck in time it was. Like it didn't age well. The, The woman that they have who I guess married Spielberg eventually like she's only interested in diamonds and she like doesn't have a name. They only ever call her doll or sweetheart. It's like, come on. Like in the first movie, the female lead had like a, uh, she has a name. Of, 
Yeah, it's, but they never say it. Yeah, they do. Charlie. They say it like twice. Otherwise, he only refers to her as doll or sweetheart. And in the first movie, the female lead. Oh, Willie. Has, like, Sorry, not Charlie. Sorry, not yeah. Charlie. Willie. She has like, well, of course, I couldn't correct you because I don't know because they never say it. And the first movie, she like has as much of a part as like the ass kicking and like coolness. But this one, like, she doesn't, she's nothing. She's just like, oh, diamonds. And it's like, no, like, I don't know. I feel like she should, you know. This was like, I, the person I watched it with said that this was the only Indiana Jones that was like co wrote with a woman. And I feel like it just set women back. So I don't agree, but. I, it is a, so, you, you know, it's a, so it's a, actually, it's a prequel to Raiders of the Lost yes. Ark. So it's set before Raiders of the Lost Ark. I think, uh, I, I wholeheartedly disagree that it's better than Raiders. I think Raiders is, uh, one of those perfect movies. Um, so Raiders to me is a, is a pretty, it, it's a pinnacle of, of great, um, cinema, especially from the eighties. I do agree. I mean, I love temple of doom and a lot of people dislike it. And there was a lot of, um, you know, a lot of shade thrown on it. There's certainly cultural insensitivities and Mm -hmm. a lot of negative stereotypes and those things have been addressed throughout the years. You know, even I believe Spielberg responding to it and and expressing regret on some of these things but but it's still i think such an action-packed movie and uh my buddy eric vespi uh he's a journalist he wrote at length about this movie and about how the reason he loves it so much is it shows sort of kind of the bad side of indie at the end of the movie he becomes Indiana Jones, but he's not quite Indiana Jones yet. It is very much about greed and the pursuit of fortune and glory. And later on is when we get to who Indy should be. Um, so this is like sort of his origin story. Um, but uh, but yeah, I, but OK, I'm glad you watch it. I'm glad you you engage with it. I, I hope you move on and check out Raiders of the Lost Ark. OK, well. So this week, uh, my paranormal pop culture entry is something I've talked a little bit about before, but it's what we do in the shadows. It's the yes. the TV series based on the uh, Taika Watiti directed movie from a couple years back. Um, I I'm a big fan of Jermaine Clement and Taika mm-hmm. Watiti, and I, I like um, I, I like that kind of documentary style comedy when it's done right but obviously for those of you that don't watch it it's on fx it's about uh basically a camera crew following these uh, roommates that are vampires and it's set in staten island as opposed to the movie what we do in the shadows which is set in uh wellington new zealand which is a great town um yeah so it's uh, i just find it to be just a fun compelling uh mm-hmm. show that i just immediately want to watch the next episode of and uh it's light-hearted but also pretty r-rated like you know um and uh i just like you know, i like vampires and they also you know eventually as the show goes on we get 
we get some witch doctors, we get witches, we get uh, zombies, we get um, a troll, there's werewolves in there, all sorts of stuff. You have watched it? I've, I've watched it with you. We watched like an episode or two together. Right, right, but I didn't know if you had watched any more of it. I haven't watched any more. I need yeah. to, though, because it was so funny. And I love, I don't remember the actor's name, maybe you know it, but the guy who plays the energy sucker. Oh, yeah. Well, um, Colin Robinson is his yeah. character name. Uh, yeah, I I knew He's him. hysterical. I knew him from, he did a, a role on better call Saul uh, yes and that's how I recognized him but yeah he te- he seems to be sort of the breakout uh, character in this because he is a energy vampire and so which means he's just like a constant downer um, it's so funny but yeah he's he's pretty great he's got some really solid episodes especially the second season and happy to say it's been re- already renewed for a third season, even though there okay. are still some like three or four episodes left for the second season. So Dope. when we're recording this. So, yeah, you guys should all check it out. So definitely some good things to watch during this quarantine. Yes. Um, but anyhow, on that note, uh, I think that brings us to the end of Spectres of War. If you like Nightmerica, please consider supporting us at patreon.com slash Nightmerica and consider leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts. Give us a follow on social media and share this with your friends. And if you'd like to share your paranormal stories or even seek paranormal advice, which is for entertainment purposes only, email nightmericashow at gmail.com. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.